Luke chapter 19. We have been in a series the last few weeks that we're calling In Courage. Um, I in courage. And and just looking last week at Jesus, and again this week we're just going to look at uh, an account of Jesus with Zacchaeus. Luke 19, 1 through 10, and it says this. He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the truth of it and the hope of it. So, Lord, we just again lift up Karen to you. Just give her the grace and the peace that she needs. Comfort her family. Just give her the strength and give them the strength. Lord, we thank you that you are about looking for people. So, Lord, thanks for that you have found her. I pray you just continue to give her great comfort. And, Lord, I pray this morning that we would just be encouraged by your word. Lord, that you would teach us, confront us, comfort us by it. God, if there is someone who does not know you through your word, that you would bring them to yourself. And God, I pray that you would take the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, and may they be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. To be in courage in Christ, we need to be confronted and comforted. At the, in the familiar account, I mean, of Zacchaeus is one of those familiar stories of the New Testament, does just that. Someone said that the greatest temptation that assails Christians is that, in fact, for most of us, the gospel has ceased to be news. And if it is not news, it is not gospel. For the gospel is the proclamation of, of something new. And any word that comes from God is news. It's a temptation for us as believers to forget that the gospel is good news, and it's news. And what we see constantly in our day, especially this year, constantly, day after day, is news, news, and it's negative, negative, negative. And we as Christians can get sucked up in that and forget the gospel, and forget that the gospel is good news. And with that good news, the peace of God Comes. Someone said that the peace which the gospel brings, the peace which the gospel brings to the heart, makes a saint or a follower of Christ, a Christian, ready to wade through any trouble that might meet him or her in the Christian course. It's the peace which the gospel brings which will get you through any course, any struggle that your Christian life comes across, but it's possible, it's possible for the gospel to get crowded out 
with all the other crises that take place in our lives. It's possible for you to forget your life is heading in a direction, that history is purposeful, that there is a plan of God, that it's heading somewhere. Either it's your life is heading to a joyful eternity with Christ or an eternity separated from joy and Jesus in hell. That's the direction that the world and the life and your life is going. We are heading in a direction, and it's possible to forget that. It's possible to forget why Jesus came, which is to seek and to save the lost. And Jesus wants us to be in Christ and in courage, and he gives us a notable account of his wisdom and grace right before he goes to the cross. This is towards the end of the Gospel of Luke, and right after this, it's the the passion. Jesus is going to be heading to the, the cross, the triumphant entry. The last account, the last story that Jesus gives before he goes into his passion is the story for us Luke wrote of this unique conversion of Zacchaeus. It's, it's good news. It's good news that can be confused in our world, but it doesn't have to be. For those who will have the ears to hear. And Jesus gives us this account of Zacchaeus, which is familiar. He was, first of all, I just want you to notice with this guy that he was, he was an opulent outlaw. This is not the kind of guy that you would think that Jesus would stop and say, hey, this is the guy I want you to know about before I go. But this is who he was. The the, the context of this is Jesus had been walking on his way to Jerusalem. He'd been telling his disciples that, that the Son of Man must go and he must die. And he's on his way to Jerusalem. And as he's passing through all these towns, he, he comes across different individuals, different peoples. And right before Luke 19, right before this, he, he's walking on his way to Jericho. A blind man sees him. He calls out to Jesus, wants to be to be healed. Jesus heals him. And all of a sudden, this crowd, which is always around Jesus, this crowd is surrounding Jesus. They're constantly with him. They walk into Jericho. And that's where Nicodemus is. He's a tax collector and he's rich. And this is his, this is his town. This is where he is. And the character of this guy, as we know, his status, he's a short guy. He's vertically challenged. He is a short individual in his stature, but in his status, he is a chief tax collector, and he's a very comfortable crook. I mean, this, this is who he, he is. And all of a sudden, he's walking around town. He hears this commotion that Jesus is coming in to town. And, and, and we're not really sure why he wanted to see him. But he hears that Jesus was coming into town and he is hated though by his, his people. He can't, he can't see him. He, he can't see what's going on, but he is very comfortable. That's, that's okay for him. Because most of his life, he has been very comfortable because he's very rich and he was hated. To be a tax collector was to take taxes for Rome from your own people. And there were three places in this in Galilee where they would take him. And Jericho was one of them. And Jericho was actually a very beautiful place to live. It was uh, it was it was it was beautiful. Had great trees, great plants. It was it was a lovely place to live. 
It also had a lot of commerce and a lot of wealth. So if you're going to be the chief tax collector someplace, this would be the town to be in it. And somewhere along the line, Zacchaeus decided that it was worth it to sell his soul to money. And he would be a traitor to his own people. He would be willing to take from them. There was a quota he'd have to meet from Rome, but they didn't care. After that, you could take as much as you wanted, and that's what they would do. They would take the money, and they would get rich off their own people. They they were ringleaders, is what Zacchaeus was. He had other people working for him, and he was the chief tax collector. He had other people doing his stuff, and he'd get an extra cut. And people hated him for it. They were despised. He, he was regarded as a traitor and a cheat and absolutely despised. I mean, just think about how people today... Think about certain political figures uh, that you are opposed to and how much they hate them. That's how people would have hated Zacchaeus. Or think about some pop culture person uh, who, who has all this money and is trying to, to compare their life to yours and how people hate them. Uh, and just that's the feeling that people had for Zacchaeus. He was absolutely hated, but he was very comfortable with this to a certain point because he had some complex problems. Obviously, he had the one issue, he was short. I mean, that was just the struggle that he obviously had to deal with. He was uh, short, vertically challenged, and he was viciously hated. That's the obvious thing about him. But there are clearly some inner issues going on with him. Because nobody knows why all of a sudden this very wealthy, rich man who pretty much had everything that he could want, wanted to stop to see Jesus. There were some inner issues going, going on with him. He, he, he could have heard what just happened outside the city walls. He could have heard about the, the healing and then all the commotion and thought, oh, I got to see this guy. He, he could have heard that. He, he could have just wanted to see some celebrity. He just wanted to be about maybe, maybe being in the, the celebrity issue with it. We, we, we don't know about that. But there was complex problems with him. And what he did to accomplish that was what many people do. He had these inner issues, but he was the kind of guy who said, you know what, I can make it on my own. He was willing to sell out his own people. So he could say, you know what, I'm just going to, my life, I'm going to make it on my own. He, he also thought, you know, I can manage any situation. I can't see, that's fine, I'll figure it out, and I'll go ahead of everybody and climb up into a sycamore tree. Or, you know what, I'm just going to make it happen. I'm going to move it. I will make things happen. This is what was inside of him. These struggles that making it, managing it, and moving things was his life. But he was not satisfied because it says he wanted to see Jesus. There was something going on in Zacchaeus for a guy who could make it. I mean, he could make it through anything. If you can endure the hatred of your own people, you're a guy who can make it. You can get things done. And he was a guy who could manage it. I mean, in the midst of a tough situation, he figured out what he wanted. And he moved it along. But he wasn't happy. And you might be that type of person as well. Outwardly, you make it. You can manage it. You can move it. You get things done, even in the midst of a pandemic and a crisis. You make it happen. And on the outside, you look good. 
Everybody around you thinks that person's got it under control. They're, they're calm. But inside, you know there's something missing. There's something deeply missing. Henry David Thoreau said, Most men lead lives of quiet desperation and go to the grave with the song still in them. They spend their life, people do, trying to manage things, move it, and make it happen. But deep down, there's a missing. There's something missing. And this was in Zacchaeus. He had been turned inward into pride. He was all about himself. And in this moment, he runs to the tree. He's out all these obstacles, but he makes it to the tree. He gets to the top of the sycamore tree, this outlaw of the people who they, 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 he tried to see. He runs up to them. They see who he is. They know who he is. And he can't see through the crowd. I mean, they, he can't even push his way through the crowd. They're, they're not letting it happen. So he goes ahead. He gets into the sycamore tree, which was a shorter tree, big, big limbs, lots of branches, kind of hides up there. Jesus comes in. And Jesus stops right underneath the sycamore tree. Which Zacchaeus has got to be thinking, see, this is what I do. I make it, I manage it, and I move it. I pick the right tree, Jesus stopped right there. And everybody else is walking along, Jesus sees him. He gets to the top of the tree. This outlaw that everybody hates, nobody wants to be with, totally reject from his society. Jesus stops under the sycamore tree, it says, and he looks up. And he speaks his name. And he says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. He, he didn't know Jesus knew his name. <laughs> and the people were like, what? <laughs> How does Jesus know his name? He had stopped right there, and there is this criticism of Jesus. It says, when they saw it, when the crowd all saw this, they had just tried to block his way. They, they tried to keep him from seeing things. And when they saw it, they grumbled within themselves. And they criticized Jesus that he would stop and talk to this rich, arrogant outlaw. This is what Jesus does, though. Look at the ancestry of Jesus. Look where Jesus came from. Look, look at the people in his line. Not good people. They were bad people. This is, this is the ancestry of Jesus. And the crowd had this courageless response to it. What, what was happening was amazing. Unbelievable good news that Jesus, the Son of Man, that he would talk to this guy. And the crowd, they thought that was terrible. And they grumbled amongst themselves. Someone says Jesus in Christianity does not discriminate between good people and bad people. Instead, Jesus and Christianity discriminate between humble people and proud people. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, it says in James. The first question, as we consider the good news of the gospel for us, is what character do you most naturally identify with? When you, when you see the story, well, what character do you most naturally, is it Zacchaeus? 
or is it the crowd of observers? And before you give the church answer, that you're supposed to say, well, I know I'm supposed to say Zacchaeus. Which one do you honestly, naturally react to? Because if you think that you're not one of the bad people, you're standing with the crowd. And if you think, well, I'm not in the crowd, I, I, I agree with that, but you know what? You say, I'm close to, the crowd was close to Jesus. They, they'd walked with him for a long time. They'd seen everything. They had the complete view. The crowd was close to Jesus, these people, who, they were, they were close to him. But, but if you're close to Jesus, you say, but you complain about what he's doing in your life, more than you're thankful for what he's doing in your life, you're more with the crowd than with Zacchaeus. This opulent outlaw Jesus stopped to talk to in the midst of all these other people. Jesus stopped to talk to a person that nobody else thought he would should talk to. But notice, it's not over yet. There's these obstacles that, that Nicodemus had to, to get to. He, he wanted to see Jesus. This, this is what it says. There was something in him that wanted to see Jesus. Maybe it was that he had heard from his other tax collector friends like Levi in Luke chapter 5. Le- Jesus comes up to the tax collector Levi and says, follow me. And Levi follows him. We know Levi because his name is Matthew. He wrote the first gospel. And Levi has a party with his friends, all his tax collector friends. He invites them to his house. And they see and Jesus stays with him. And the Pharisees, the so-called good people, they said the same thing back then. Why is Jesus with sinners? Maybe Zacchaeus heard this. Maybe he, maybe he had heard that there's a guy who actually likes the bad people, who talks to them, hangs out with them, and maybe that's what drew him to wanted to see Jesus. But Zacchaeus had all these issues. As he's trying to see Jesus, as he's trying to go along, he's absolutely alone in this. I mean, he's a short little guy, can't get through, he is alone in this. It's not the case for everybody. Remember the story in, in Luke 5 as well with the, with the, the paralytic man who couldn't get, get anywhere, but he had four friends who loved him so much that they carried him up to the roof, ripped the roof off, and lowered him down to Jesus? I mean, th- th- this, is, this is not the case for everybody. This, this paralytic man who had nothing had four crazy friends willing to rip a roof off to let, some, let their friends see Jesus. Zacchaeus has nobody to let him even get a glimpse of Jesus. He's alone, he's outnumbered, and he's overwhelmed. He doesn't know what to do, and so he runs, which is the most undignified thing a wealthy rich man in that day could have done. They just didn't run. That's that's not what they would do. It's too undignified for them. But but Zacchaeus was so overwhelmed with the situation and so wanted to see Jesus that he ran and climbed up into a tree. He he got to a point he didn't care. All the things going on inside of him, something was bothering. He He was alone, outnumbered, and alone. But the obstacles that he had to overcome were overcome by one person. Because Jesus, Jesus came. Jesus stopped under the tree. 
there's, there's crowd noise everywhere. And he's just hoping to get a peek of him. And Jesus stops and he arrived. And then he asked him a question. He spoke to him, Zacchaeus, you must come down now. And then Jesus anchored himself to Zacchaeus. He said, I must stay. This is the good news of the gospel. Some of you may feel like, you know what, I I am alone in this right now. I'm alone in my situation. I'm outnumbered. I don't know how to deal with all these things that i got to keep spinning, all the plates, all the situations, and I'm overwhelmed by it. And my, my, my moving it, my making it, isn't working. Something's falling apart here. What's the answer? The gospel good news is that this is what Jesus does. He, he arrives on the scene for us. He arrives where we are at and he asks us. He wants to know you. He wants to talk to you and he anchors himself. I mean, Jesus said, this is where I am supposed to be. This is why I came. I'm, I'm, I'm staying at your house. This is what Jesus does. This is the gospel. This is the good news that can transform your life. And maybe you may be here this morning. You may be coming to church for many, many months, many years. Heard, heard the Zacchaeus story. But on the outside, everything looks well. Everything looks good. You look like someone who's following Christ, but in the reality may be that you are just trying to make it, you're just trying to manage it, you're just trying to move your life along. And what's stopping you from fully embracing the gospel is as you hear all these great stories about Jesus and the life change that he can do in people's lives is just this obstacle, you know what, is of hypocrisy. You see other people who say they're Christians. You see other people who say they're followers of Jesus, yet they don't look like Jesus. When, when they have, when you have problems, they don't, they don't arrive. They don't ask. And they don't anchor themselves with you. When, when they see bad things starting to happen into your life, they, they pull away. And you've been hurt so many times. And you, and you, you just figure out, just fake it. Because hypocrisy in other people might be an obstacle from keeping you from fully embracing the good news of the gospel. It's a reality. There are no good people. We are all, there's hypocrisy in all of us as Christians. We're all hypocrites. But Leo Tolstoy, when he was talking about this idea of hypocrisy and faith, he said this to a friend one time. He said, attack me. I do this myself. But attack me rather than the path I follow and which I point out to anyone who asks me where I think it lies. If I know the way home, and I'm walking along it drunkenly, is it any less the right way because I am staggering from side to side? Don't look at other people. The reality is there is hypocrisy in Christians. There's hypocrisy in all of us. But Jesus is not a hypocrite. And so if you see people, if you see Christians who say Jesus is the way, and as you watch them, they're staggering along the way, and it doesn't look like they're even following it, but they're pointing to the place where Jesus can be found. Don't toss off Jesus just because a Christian is staggering drunkenly along the way. Jesus came to Nicodemus. Don't let that obstacle stop you. He had obstacles to overcome. We all have obstacles to overcome. But then notice this outpouring of unbelievable 
grace. He, he's recognized. He says this, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who's a sinner? And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come into this house. There is a gap in this conversation. Jesus comes to Nicodemus and said, Nicodemus, this is why I'm here. This is why I came. I'm not just passing through Jericho. I came to see you under this sycamore tree, and I came and I planned to stay at your house today. So come on down. And Nicodemus does it. He's so excited. He can't believe it. He comes down, and in, then, then there's this, 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 this conversation that takes place. There's all these, these things. Jesus comes to the man's house. He invites his friends. It's very public. They're, they're eating. They're dining. They're talking. There's a gap, though. We, we don't hear everything that takes place. But somewhere along the line, Jesus has a conversation with Zacchaeus and tells him who he is. He tells him about God. He tells him about sin. He tells him about Christ himself. And he tells him about faith. And in that, he says to him, listen, Zacchaeus, there's no one good. There's no one good. I know what the crowd said about you. I know what everybody says about you, but just know this. There is none that do good. The Old Testament says this in Psalm 53. There is none who does good, not even one. The New Testament says this in Romans 3. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one does good, not even one. I know who I'm talking to, is what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. And there's this conversation that takes place, but we don't get the whole story. I shared the faith, my, I shared the gospel with an individual for months one time. For, for months, I'd meet at his house, I'd meet at his house for hours after hours after hours, and I could see he was getting closer. I talked to him about God, I talked to him about sin, I talked to him about Christ, and I talked to him about faith. And, and, and the, the moment when I thought, he, he's going he's gonna to cross the line, he's going to trust God, he, he just said, Okay, thanks, Paul. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll think about it. And I went home. And, I, and he goes, I'll, I'll, I'll sit down tonight and I'll think about it. Make some decisions. I went home that night. I thought, for sure, I'm going to get a phone call at midnight. He's going to be in tears. He's going to tell me about how much he loves Jesus. Didn't happen. Next day it goes by. Next day it goes by. Doesn't next day go by. Finally, I called him up. I said, hey, did you ever, uh, you know, think to... Sit down and think about what we talked about with Jesus. He goes, oh yeah, I did that. I did that, I did that, that night. I went down, looked at my Baba. I, I realized I was a sinner. I trusted Christ uh, and I believe. And he does. His life was transformed. We don't always get to hear the whole story. And this is what happens here. We don't always hear how God talks to us. We don't always hear every way that Jesus is talking to somebody. We don't get to hear the whole story of how Jesus talked to Nicodemus. But what we do hear is the response of Nicodemus after he was talking to Nicodemus, where Nicodemus recognized that he was not a good man and that Jesus loves people who are not good. And there was this change in him. This comment that Nicodemus makes, Behold the Lord, I'm going to give to the poor, and to anybody I defrauded, this is what he's done. He knows he's defrauded people. 
He's saying, this is not some calculated comment to say, Jesus, I know you're really good, and I'm not really good, but I'm going to try to be really good, and if I try to be really good, I want you to love me. That's not what he's saying at all. What he's saying is, I recognize I am not good, and because I am not good, but I trust you now. There's a change in my life. I'm going to repent. I'm, my life's going to be different. And he gives back all this money that he stole from other people. There was an absolute change in his life. This is what grace does. Listen, this is what the gospel is. You could sit in church over years after years after years and know all this stuff in your head. But if there hasn't been a time when you recognized it, that you were lost, and repented, and there's been a change in you, where there's a desire to go the opposite direction, go Jesus' way, you're missing the gospel. The gospel produces in us, the good news of Jesus produces in us repentance that leads to change. There's different desires in your life. They're just, they're, his life was sold on money, and now he said, my life's not going to be sold on money anymore. There was a, there's a change. He's a changed man, which brought rejoicing. Corrie Ten Boom, who was in prison during the World War II. Her sister died. She almost died. Her father died. She makes that out alive. She goes around and starts talking to churches, sharing the story of how she survived these Nazi prison camps. She's sharing her story one night. One man Afterwards, a man comes up to her and said, Fräulein, that was a great story, great, great testimony. He goes, I was one of the guards at where you were at. I've repented, and I want you to forgive me. Corey Timboon said she could almost hardly move her arm. She didn't want to shake the man's hand. But she did, because she realized that if, if, if there is no good people, and if God could forgive me, he could forgive this man. And her life, of forgiveness fully developed from that. She, she, she was changed. This is what happened to Nicodemus. There was this outpouring of grace, and he rejoiced because this is what Jesus does. Jesus said to him, I must stay. Nicodemus, I must come to your house. There, there's a necessity here. Listen, your life is heading in some direction, and, and, and the reality is Jesus said there's a necessity that you must come to Jesus. There's a, there's a, there's a necessity. I must stay, Jesus said. Have you, have you fully surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Have you recognized that you're not a good guy, but you've humbled yourself and are trusting in him alone? And Jesus says, I must stay. There's a necessity to that. Jesus says, I, I will stay. There's opportunity. There's an opportunity. You don't have to have all the questions about Christianity understood. You don't have to believe and know everything about how your life is working or not working. But the reality is, Jesus says, I will stay with you through it. And also, Jesus says, I want to stay. He he sovereignly planned this this way. Today, salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus is a little man with no real courage and full of large reasons to reject Jesus. Full of reasons to reject his grace, but his life was transformed. And when that took place, there was full joy in his life. That's the, God, that's the good news of the gospel. That's what courage brings. 
it brings courage first to those who don't know Christ. You may know about Christ. You may know what he says, but have you, do you really know Christ? The good news of the gospel is that Jesus says, I, I, I must come. I must come. And second, the gospel brings courage to those who are in Christ, but forget that it's great news. We forget that it's great news. And in the midst of a year of crisis and pandemics and concerns and fears, Jesus comes to the humble, to those who know they need help and will leave their pride of their sycamore tree and look to the tree of the cross. And in that amazing grace is found. When you go through work this week and you start to struggle with your courage, and you're trying to make it, you're trying to move it, remember that it's the gospel that changes everything. It's the gospel that's going to give you the grace, that Jesus is there. He's available, and his grace is available for us. Trust in him.
I've never seen 